They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Child, you might get what you're after. Cool babies, strange but not a stranger. I'm an ordinary girl building up a house. <laughs> you said building up a house because of our guest. Oh, we had to. We had to welcome everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining uh, our. Misfit crew over here mm-hmm. at your favorite podcast. It's Thoughts That Rock. You know what it is. We give you life-changing advice. You love it. It lasts how long it lasts, and that's how we do it. And we do it in like 30 to 32 minutes. That's right. That's our goal. And we also want to thank today's sponsor. Yeah, who who's our sponsor today? It's Gravy, Jim. What? <laughs> it's, it's Gravy. Gravy? Not, not like a brand name? Nope, it's... Is it <laughs> just today's show is brought to you by gravy? Really, flour yeah. based? Uh, it's a uh, it's a sauce. Yeah. It's uh, often made with meat juices, <laughs> and um, you know sometimes they thicken it up with uh, some flour. It's gravy. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> How much money did they give us? <laughs> Gave us a lot, man. I love those gravy people. Let's just say. We are rolling in the gravy, if you know what I mean. I, I know exactly what you mean. So, uh, where to go from there? This podcast is awesome when it comes to just getting free weekly leadership. Mm-hmm. We we know that. You know that. It's um, sort of the gravy <laughs> to your leadership process. Now you've gone too far. Yeah, okay. I, we don't need to hear that All anymore. Right. Listen, if you want something customized, fully customized, you want it in person, uh, we have some training that uh, you would love. It's yeah. our edutaining culture and leadership program we call Certified Rockstar. Mm-hmm. You've heard us talk about it almost on every single show because, you know, we, we want peeps to sign up for it. And honestly, we have a half day. Mm-hmm. We have a full day. A whole day. We have a multi-day mastermind, which is really mm-hmm. tough to get in. Because we don't really have one scheduled yet. The smarties. But also for extreme smarties. Yes. And then for everybody else, we have the virtual <laughs> version <laughs> is basically what you're saying. <laughs> Got to check it out at certifiedrockstar.com. Now, listen, do us a favor. Would you? Know, you? If you like the show. Even if you don't. Even if you, well, if you don't, then just ignore this. But if you like it, and we hope that you do, you got to take a second to just give us a five-star rating and a written review. Believe it or not, it matters. Every little bit that you write in there matters, and it would mean a lot to us. And more importantly, it helps us grow the show and get in front of the people that we need to listen to the show. And ultimately, will give us a little bit more money so that we can donate it somewhere. Yeah, you know, and we are. We're going to get right to that. But I'm starting to like this idea that we have to give people the magic word that they sneak into their uh, into the, their review, written review. Into the written review. So today's is word gravy. is gravy. <laughs> so if they put in gravy. If they put in gravy, we will send them a, a special prize. <laughs> 
and it's not gravy. It's not a packet of gravy. It's not a packet It'll of be better gravy. than that. We it promise. It will be better, but we will give you a secret prize for the secret word. <laughs> and uh, so just sneak in that word gravy into your five-star review. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. You know who else is amazing? <laughs> it's Cannonball It's Cancer, mm-hmm. Mr. Segway. Yeah. Uh, listen, this podcast supports their incredible work to find and fund treatment options for kids who've been told they have no more options. Please go check them out. Cannonball Kids Cancer. And listen, we know how busy you are, and just taking a little bit of time to make your life a little bit better, amp it up, we like to say, Mm -hmm. we get it. You know, trying to step away and find some time, it's tough, but we got an answer for you. You you know, you don't have to be all in and listening to the show, and that's all you're doing. You could be doing two things at once for all we care. You could be, I don't know, just sitting on your porch lazily. Maybe you're checking out your Instagram feed. Oh, that looks nice. Maybe you're making homemade strawberry preserves. Oh, so doesn't matter to us. We just want to be the half hour you've been looking forward to all week. That's my that's my rocking chair. You know what? It needs to stop that squeaking. What gravy? Let's do this. Our guest today is Kara Brookins, who we know on the speaking circuit and has an amazing story and I think is probably best known as the mom who builds her own house using YouTube tutorials. I love it. Kara, first off, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so excited. You do have an amazing story. We definitely want to hear some of that as part of your advice. And that, you know, we'll have Kara's full bio obviously posted in the show notes. But a couple things. First off, Brant, she's the author of eight books, just in case, you know, you felt like you were slacking off with your two and my one book. Um, but her, her big book there, Rise, How, to, How a House Built a Family, great title which basically tells her amazing story of building her 3,500 square foot home with the help of her four children by basically collectively watching YouTube videos. So that, that story she can talk about that went viral, I think in something like 75 countries and it's been viewed over 2 billion times with a B It's crazy. And uh, as we said, we, we've known Kara, we, we met her at a Canadian speaking event last year and really got a chance to know her just a little bit more. But uh, she's now a keynote speaker and offers programs to inspire audiences everywhere to, to set and reach these crazy big goals. So we're just so thrilled that you spent uh, a couple moments with us today, Kara. And, you know, we do things differently here. We're we're not going to do the traditional interview style. We like to get right to the heart of the matter, to the meat potatoes, we like to say, and provide some advice to our audience. So we're looking to you. The floor is open. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. It's just like you guys to kind of turn everything upside down. You got to be, you got to be yes. the rock and roll mavericks. Th- that's right. That's how we roll. <laughs> Well, my favorite thought, and of course, it it comes all the way up through childhood, is just really simply, you can figure anything out. Hmm. And that is something that I think originally came from my grandparents, but my parents really pushed it into me. And it was this concept of whenever I had anything to do, it didn't matter if it was like scrub the floors or move a bunch of rock in the backyard. My parents (laughs) were big DIYers. So there was always there were a lot of chores. Uh, my parents would never tell me how to do it. They would just give me the chore. Here's the thing we need done. Here's what it needs to look like. Go. And I just had to go out. And if I asked questions, they would not answer them. It was just this, well, figure it out. 
And so it gave me the ability and the confidence to think, well, they know that I can achieve this. And you know, I, I tried a lot of different things. And when I finished, they were not above telling me how I could have done it more easily <laughs> and more quickly. And that helped too, you know, because it was this idea of, okay, I, there are lots of different ways to accomplish something. And I don't have to know the best way to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to know, you know all the details going in. I just have to have that confidence that some way I can get from here to there and go in and start trying things. So I guess uh, it, it, our, our follow-up question would have always been something like, how did that advice change your life? I mean, it's apparent with your story, but sort of walk us through, because if, if they sort of give you this mindset, you can figure anything out. You did. You built a house watching television. So well, walk us through how that happened, especially with your with your kids, how that how that affected your life. Sure. Yeah, and of course it didn't that wasn't the first thing that I tried that was a little bit, you know, unconventional. Before that I, I became a computer programmer, having never taken a, a class in programming. Um, I actually landed a job first and then learned how to do it, you know, just by Googling it on the internet. Hmm. And I was a computer programmer for 20 years as a senior analyst. Um, And while I was a programmer, I had gone through uh, some domestic violence, some really extreme stuff, a man with schizophrenia. And uh, it it was, it was really awful. I had four kids, uh, teenagers, 17, 15, an 11 year old and a two year old. Wow. And the kids and I got away from that really bad situation, but we had been financially devastated. I still had that great job as a programmer, but we were losing our house and we needed a place to live. And of course, the kids and I were in a pretty bad emotional state too, you know, going through so much trauma. We weren't very close. We didn't know how to talk to each other. We didn't relate very well. Uh, we were all just in survival mode, just getting through every single day. And I knew the teenagers were about to leave and I had to do something. And of course, there's that nagging thing. We need a place to live. So uh, I just started thinking, well, the only way that we can have the kind of house I want to have is if we take the money that I can borrow. And instead of buying some, you know, broken down, small old house, if we take all of that money and buy the supplies, I bet we can figure out how to turn all of that into a house. And that's how we did it. We had a pile of lumber delivered out to a a vacant lot that I bought, a little over an acre, and just one step at a time started Googling it. And not Googling like all of it ahead of time, because that would have been really overwhelming. You know, I had a basic idea of what went into building a house, even though I'd never actually seen everything inside the walls of a house. Um, But, you know, we had everything delivered. And then I just slowly started Googling, you know, how to lay a foundation block how to pour a slab, how to do the plumbing. I ran the the gas lines myself. (laughs) That's crazy. I love it. I love it. And and it's not a small house. It's 3,500 square feet. It's five bedrooms, three bathrooms, a three-car garage, a big shop, two-story tree house. You know, it's it's a big house. Wow. That's, uh, you know, part of me, of course, is just listening in amazement that this is what you do because, you know, in – uh, myself and my my uh, bandmate from from Big Kettle Drum, uh, JT Keel, we always joke that we are going to have a show on HGTV called "Well, 
that didn't work <laughs> because that's what we say every time we try to do something ourselves. Um, but I would imagine that you had a lot of, well, that didn't work moments during this process. Is that a fair statement? Oh, a hundred times a day. I mean, I mean, think about that. Every single day we showed up on this construction site and guys, this was 2007 and 2008. So no smartphones. Mm. We were not watching YouTube on site. We were watching YouTube like the night before back at the house on the, you know, the big family computer in the den. So, wow. you know, big difference in technology today. But every day we showed up out here and we had no idea how to do a single project that we were about to do. So we would lay out the lumber to do something like frame a window because that's what we'd watch the videos for the night before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd start kind of laying it out and say, well, this is how I remember the video, guys. And, you know, we had stuff <laughs> sketched literally on Post-it notes because if we do it on paper, it would fly away. So, you know, we'd stick a Post-it note to the, the floor and lay out this this window. And my 11-year-old would be like, no, 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 no. I think the cripple is supposed to go like this. That's how I remember it. And I mean, my 11 year old knew every bit as much about building a house as I did because she watched the same YouTube videos. <laughs> so, you know, if she thought it went a certain way, then we'd try that. So it was this really collaborative effort of, you know, no it wasn't doubt. me building a house and my kids helping. It was all of us, uh, you know, gaining confidence as we saw, well, let's try this. And if it didn't work out, you know, our, our best friend was the reciprocating saw because we could cut anything apart with that. And, <laughs> And then save it, you know, we'd stack everything up. Jada, the 11 year old would then write on each piece of lumber that we had cut apart. You know, this is a two by four that's 21 inches long or 21 and three quarters. And she had this little stack of reserve lumber that she held back. And whenever um, we needed something, then she would, you know, we need a, a 21 inch piece of lumber. She could go get that from her stash so we weren't wasting anything. And, you know, it was, it was set up very efficiently and, uh, you know, collaboratively like that. But, oh, tons of mistakes every day and laugh at ourselves constantly. Well, I love that it really, you know, it, when you get into those types of scenarios, you're so focused on the result or the outcome that the journey can, can sometimes get lost. And I love that when you go into that with a mindset of let's try this and not let's make a perfect window frame. Uh, mm -hmm. It really allows you to say, well, I don't remember it that way, but let's try it. And that's a whole different approach than, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it this way. And, and that experience becomes one that isn't a, a pleasant experience, uh, never mind a productive one, because at the end of the day, you have a bunch of kids who now don't want to do anything with you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure you probably had some of those as well, but how much was your mindset in that it's not about getting it done, you know, in the next three months, it's just about learning together and trying to do this as a family. Well, I mean, it was it was actually both of those because I had a construction loan. So I hadn't I had only nine months to build the house mm. on the construction loan. And if we didn't finish it in nine months, we lost everything. Oh, the, the bank would repossess the land that I had paid cash for, as well as all the supplies we bought, however much of the house we built. And then I would have nothing to start over with. So there was a lot of high pressure in finishing yeah. it quickly. It wasn't a leisurely time out here. It was brutally hard work. I mean, it was 19 hour days. I was still programming during the day. 
Um, you know, it's working through the night, uh, 20 minute cat naps. You know, I was out here at three o'clock in the morning firing up an arc welder. <laughs> you know, it was it was not a, a casual, you know, Disneyland learning experience. It was brutally hard work. So, you know, when we when we went across the job site, if I said to one of the kids, you know, hey, go get me this tool. They didn't walk from me to the to the shop that we would built to hold the tools. They had to run. And we ran everywhere on the job site. So there was definitely that, you know, ticking time bomb of we have to finish this. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, but the journey part of it was so important. You know, that, that mindset was so important. And it taught us, above everything else, to not take ourselves so seriously. Uh-huh. You know, to learn to laugh at ourselves. And I think that the, the more that you get in a survival mentality that, that we had really been pushed into, um, you're afraid to step out of your comfort zone because your self-esteem is so destroyed. And, and you know, and you're afraid any step that you take outside of the things that you know how to do, that you're going to get shoved down even further. So you become sort of defensive. And I think the kids and I all had that where we had to learn you know, very quickly out here in the mud. It, it's very humbling and that you learn that, you know, it's okay to laugh at yourself for making mistakes and for doing it wrong. And it's okay to walk into any lumber yard or plumbing store and to look a little silly and to laugh along with them hmm. and to just not take yourself so seriously. And once you learn that, that, you know, it is more about that journey and that experience than it is about everything looking perfect or me looking polished and professional, um, you know, it, life is a lot more fun mm-hmm. and a lot more productive. Now that it's 12, 13 years down the road. I mean, how do your kids think back about that experience? Do they ever talk about it like fondly or as a struggle? I'm sure it helped galvanize you guys even more, but do they talk about it with your friends or classmates or other people? Oh, sure. I mean, now, of course, my oldest is about to turn 30, which is crazy. This year she'll be 30. Wow. Um, and then the youngest is, is 15 and he's the one who was the toddler, the two-year-old on the construction site. But, you know, it changed the way that we do everything. It changed the way that they sort of launched out into the world in this fearless way, which as a human is such a beautiful thing to see your kids be fearless. And but as a mom, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? You're going to do what? (laughs) Um, You're going to move to Alaska and climb ice walls. You know, you're going to live in a tent and build a straw bale house. Wait, what? Yeah, but you Um, can't complain anymore. Now that you've gone through this, you're like, all right. I know. (laughs) And you're like, this is exactly what, you know, I kind of set you up to do. But wait, (laughs) you know. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, you know, like every parent, I think that you go through that sort of fear for them, but also so much pride in the way that they attack life. It's so different than the, you know, the, the scared kids that they were when we started this project. And it never would have happened. And they never would have become those people had we not taken this project on. So it's something we talk about all the time. But it's funny to see the different way that we talk about it internally as opposed to the way that other people see it and talk about it mm-hmm, because yeah. there's, there's just no way that you can, you, I mean, everybody else sees it's a finished house, mm-hmm. you know, and we've had still standing and de- everything to decorate. Right? <laughs> right. And and it looks so much better now, you know, than it, than it did when we were working at it or when we first finished it. So, you know, we know that every day when we showed up out here, we didn't think we were going to succeed. You know, yeah. we know that feeling of 
of the pressure and the brutal work and the bruises and cuts and scrapes and a few emergency room visits and mm. you know how how day after day you know the kids didn't have dates they didn't go to movies they didn't have friends over uh, you know, for the for the nine months we built it and months after that is you know even after we passed our all of our inspections and had our certificate of occupancy we still had to you know hang closets in the shelves and towel rods and, and all of that finish work uh, so, uh, you know, they, they know the brutally hard work. So when, when anybody asks them about it or we talk about it internally, there's this like huge sigh, you know, <laughs> oh yes, that, you know, cause it's just, it was so brutally hard. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's so many takeaways, uh, especially, I think you're right. Sort of when you're in, when you're in the experience, when you are in the center of the tornado that is happening in that moment, it's a completely different view than looking at it from the outside. But I, I look at it and I take away, I just wrote down a couple of things here because first of all, I know you do a lot of, uh, speaking in the corporate world. And I think there's so many lessons to be taken out of that experience for you. But part of it to me comes from there had to be a massive amount uh, or at least a, a dedicated focus of preparation time, whether that was watching videos or trying to figure out how you were going to do the more that you prepared, I would imagine the more you save time when you actually had to do the work. And so you got to put in the effort on one side so that when it comes time to perform, um, you can perform efficiently and, and at least attempt to uh, do the best that you can in that amount of time frame. But what you proved is that not only can you do some prep time, you can focus on the journey, but you can also have this sense of urgency that things need to get done, and which which I think every employee at every organization understands on the planet mm -hmm. that there is this sort of black cloud that follows you around from time to time that says you have to get this done or else. And it's this looming deadline that's out there. But in your case, some it's not just oh this project isn't going to get turned in on time it's we're going to lose everything so there's this massive massive sort of penalty if you're not successful and to not focus on that so much but to still be able to enjoy the journey as much as possible while making mistakes while learning from your mistakes but having enough sense of urgency to be able to sort of right the ship in a quick way um is that sort of the message that that you share with these organizations when you go out and speak with them? Absolutely. You know, I think that the the high stakes drive any sort of a project. I think that people have to understand the stakes and setting them higher pulls more out of the team. Mm. So I think that, you know, having the, the short deadlines and the high stakes is really important in setting up any project. And, and of course, like I've already said, letting every team member know how vital their contribution is so that it becomes more of a collaborative effort. And, and what you said at the beginning about, you know, the preparation time and the skills, that is bottom line, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I think that, that too often people look at like, you know, the, the way that I approach this and they have this idea that you just, you know, fake it till you make it. And, you know, that, that just, that just doesn't work. You know, you have to have the preparation time, not just of watching the, the videos, not just watching somebody else do it, but of learning some of the skills. Or, you know, I would have cut off my left hand. Uh, going into this, I already knew how to use all of the tools. Hmm. Now, I'd never built a house, mm -hmm. but I had built a bookcase. I had made jewelry. I had used 
almost every single tool that we used on this construction site outside of like a nail gun and I'm trying to think, oh, there's this tool. I still don't even know what it's called, but it's something that you you hit. You actually put a like a blank shell in it, a bullet, and you hit it with a hammer, and that bullet drives a nail into the concrete. Scared mm. the living daylights out of me. <laughs> oh I had to gosh. use that tool, and I had never used that before. Yeah. But outside of just those couple of tools, I knew how to use all of these tools in some way. So that when I started this project of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to build a wall. I already knew how to cut a piece of wood. I knew how to pound in a nail. And I knew that building a house was doing that a whole bunch of times in a row, <laughs> you know, so knowing those basic skills, you know, how to measure, how to, how to do the math, how to use an arc welder, you know, I tried all of those little things. So making sure your team knows the small skills so that when you get, you know, in the heat of the moment and the deadline is there and the urgency is there, you know that you can say, hey, guys, you know how to do this. You have everything it takes. Just put these together in a creative way and get us to this outcome. And, you know, that's the type of leadership rather than the, excuse me, rather than micromanaging. That's the type of leadership that takes a team to success and does it quickly mm -hmm. and efficiently. First off, I was just thinking I probably would have been a great guest on, well, that didn't work because <laughs> I hear Kara saying words and naming tools that I'm like, I never heard of that before. I would just go and hire somebody because I am not a DIY guy. I'm just not. I mean, when things break down, I'm looking for where's the, the service number to see how soon somebody can come I, I literally is trying to think up of a name of what she's talking about because I have no idea either. I'm like, oh, the 12-gauge uh, hammer uh, shell thingy. That would have well, been impressive. But see, you didn't have to know the name. And I and I didn't ever learn the names for everything. You know, when I was doing the plumbing, I, I walked through the house. I had no idea how to do plumbing. I mean, I'd watched a few YouTube videos, and YouTube back in 2008 was not like today. Right. grainy videos there were yes. no youtubers we yes. didn't know there were youtuber yet right so it was people's you know grainy hands doing a thing and you could kind of hear them talking so i had to walk through the house with a piece of paper and just sort of draw what i thought the plumbing would look like and what i thought the pieces that and parts amazing. would look like it's and then i went to the plumbing store and i was like i have no idea what this is called but i need some things that should probably look kind of like this and the guys were like please honey send your plumber in yeah. and i'm like you know I am i'm the like plumber. well i'm the plumber <laughs> yes, you know yes. and they're like oh lord help us all um you know and i need some things to run my own gas lines that i think should kind of look like this you know and i'm drawing these little like t joints and and you know right angle joints i didn't know what they were called but it didn't stop me from doing it and it didn't stop me from walking in there and looking like an idiot well like Roman was, you know, the two-year-old was stringing fruit loops onto my hair yeah. while I'm asking this question, you know? <laughs> Perfect. So here's the question. When things break down now in your house, do you ever call anybody or do you roll up your sleeves and you jump in and fix it yourself? Oh, I have like more than an acre here that I mow and I fix my own lawnmower and, you know, string trim and do my gardening. I still fix things. Uh, we're, st we're still building things. I still build furniture. And it's usually, it wow. starts reluctantly where I want something and I want something very specific and it needs to look a certain way and fit in a certain part of my house. And then I find that nobody, nobody makes that thing the way that I want it. So then my only choice is I'm going to have to make it. Yeah. So uh, I still do things all the time. And you know what? I, I love the puzzle part of it. And I think that speaks to the, you know, the job that I had for a long time too in writing software mm -hmm. is this idea. And it's the same thing. It's knowing this end solution and figuring out how to get there. 
I like it. I like to do hands-on things and not scared to get messy and, you know, be elbow deep and do something wrong and have to figure out a solution for it. Yeah, so, we can tell. Yeah, we still. It's well, awesome. Kara, I can say that I don't know if there's ever been a time in the history of this podcast that Jim and I have not felt like a man. <laughs> more i just cut up my man card i literally i'm like it is one of those things that there's this expectation you know it's so crazy to me so like i grew up my grandfather uh, was a mechanic and just constantly building doing things you know he had a he had a shop he had a shop downstairs Mm -hmm. in a dirt floor basement (laughs) with like one hanging light that you know it's everything that you think and he's down there squinting for you know the 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 right nut to put on a bolt and i'm and i'm just you know I, i i look at that now and i walk in and I, I'm, I just stand there and stare in my shed like, what the hell am I doing right now? I have no idea what I'm looking for. And I, I can't imagine you having to, I mean, just the judgment that you probably faced every time you walked into one of these stores, like, I need a... a I don't know, like a metal thing with a pom-pom on the end of it. And it's just some purple, <laughs> there's a purple liquid thing that I swish around and I use that to put the pipes together. Like that, I can just imagine me going in and saying that. And, and, uh, you know, one of these guys looking at me like, what are, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing? Go back to getting your nails done and you're get no, out of here. You're no Kara you know? Brookins. <laughs> yeah, you're no Kara Brookins. That's what they're thinking. That's the t-shirt we need to sell on this yes. podcast. You're no Kara Brookins. <laughs> exactly. That to me is like, that's a whole other, like, it, it, it's not even, it's not part of the story, but it is part of the story, right? It's not the actual technical, I had to build a house. It's the... What, you know, the, the, the world looking at you going, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. There's no way you <laughs> should be looking and doing this. I mean, how did you manage that part of the process? Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. You know, even my parents, uh, my parents, like I said, were big DIYers, you know, they had, in fact, they had built the house that we lived in, or I thought they had, um, but they had built it in a different way and that they had a lot of relatives, you know, uncles and grandparents and people who knew what they were doing that came and helped them build it. So in my head, they had built it. So they should think that it was fine that I would build one. Um, They thought I was nuts and told me not to do it. And I I kind of had the benefit of when you've gone through domestic violence, you are very isolated. Uh, You don't have a lot of friends. I didn't live near any family. So honestly, I didn't have a lot of community. I was very alone. So I didn't have a lot of people telling me uh, outside of my parents not to do this. Hmm. And I'm also extremely stubborn, extremely determined, which is both good and bad. 
Um, but, you know, I just, once I decided it, there was just no doubt. And in fact, it seemed so clear and obvious to me that this is what we should do, hmm. that I 100% thought that every single woman who was in my situation would have come to the exact same conclusion and would do this. It just seemed like, well, obviously this is what we would do. Um, I can see now that possibly that was, that was slightly over the top and maybe crazy, but you know, we weren't operating from a normal place. We had been through some pretty extraordinary circumstances and the way that the the kids bought into this and wanted to do this first because they thought their mom was sane and had good ideas <laughs> and and wouldn't lead them down the wrong path um but also because you know these were kids who had been helpless for a decade uh, they had seen terrible things happen and there was nothing they could do to change anything there was nothing they could do to fix anything um, they kept their rooms and their grades all top notch. They kept everything as perfect as possible, but there was nothing they could do to fix our situation uh -huh. until this project came up. So this is the first time in their lives somebody handed them something and said, hey, if you do this, you can physically go out and take an action that will make your life better. Guys, they were all over that. Yeah. You know, to, and, and the power that a physical action like that gives you. I mean, think about that when you could do nothing in your life to change anything. Um, you've gone through trauma. Now here's a hammer. Start hitting things really hard. Here's a saw. <laughs> yes. Cut through this sheet of plywood. Yes. You know how powerful that feels to have these big, heavy tools to lift a wall and then to stand back and be like, I just built something that is towering over me. Mm the control and power that that gives you over your own life. And the idea that if I can do this, what else can I do? I love that. Um, and doing something that feels impossible and that everybody tells you is impossible, then that gives you even more power and control over your own life. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are just, there are just so many things about it that made it something that, um, you know, that while it looked crazy from the outside, from the inside, it was it was one hundred percent right for us. I can imagine when you're talking in front of audiences because you know your story ranges from you know just just complete heartbreak to massive inspiration. You know, and I would think as you're talking in front of, I guess regardless of the industry and, and brand, you were talking about you know care doing more stuff in front of corporate America. There's so many learnings, obviously, from mm -hmm. the story. And again, it goes back to, like you said, your parents basically said, you know, you, you can figure anything out. And, and you've talked about words like having the ability and having the creativity. These are now a piece of you. They're a part of you. And I think if people can gravitate toward that, um, you know, really, it's it's to the point that you were saying you can do anything if you put your mind to it, which, by the way, is probably perfect for, you know, we found this great uh, John Wooden quote. Anytime we can talk about the, the late great John Wooden mm. is awesome. Brant, what is our thought that rocks? Because I think it fits in perfectly with Kara's as well. So our thought that rocks this week is this. Thoughts that rock number two. Ability may get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I listen to this and I, and honestly listening to you, Kara, talk about your kids sort of reminisce on that time and what it's like now. I mean, I think probably I could make an argument that you were able to build your family's character 
uh, as great as your house. No doubt. And I think that that's something that um, pays lifelong dividends. Is that sort of how you look at that process when you look back now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, well, that was honestly a minor intent going in. You know, the first and foremost, it's survival. We need a house. We need a structure to live in. Um, You know, and it was that, oh, and we also need to do a project together. So that was a pretty minor thing going in. But so quickly, it became the focus. Mm. You know, it became it became this idea of, wow, here are these kids who didn't know how to talk to each other, who can now read each other's minds. You know, we could just sort of grunt and, and, you know, shake our head and the other person would be like, oh, you need these three tools and my hand right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that we learn to read each other and then support each other and, you know, play to each other's strengths and, and the way that sent them out into the world, understanding and empathizing with other people better um, and, and supporting other people and picking careers and focusing on other people. So without a doubt, that was such a huge, huge element of everything that we did. I think that. Uh, Oh, and and one other thing, let me say it speaks to your character that that's the quote that you gave me because it was a basketball coach and I don't even like have, I turn on a TV like once every couple months. So I don't know sports. And I was like, coach, coach what who huh so i had to like google oh this is who he was oh and what a cool little pyramid he has of, like character and that's you know right. so i i really appreciate that that's that you guys didn't say oh it's a lady so let's not send her a coach oh no. um i love that i yeah. love that, that that spoke to your character not only did it educate me but i love that you didn't you didn't hesitate to do that well, because let, you know, women know many women know as much about sports as men. So bravo to you for that. Well, we also know that you're a lady who has <laughs> held more tools and figured more stuff yeah. out than the two of us combined in two lifetimes will ever accomplish. But, you know, I, I come out of this and look in, and with the character part of it, you know, for, for me and my family dealing with, you know, my, my oldest son, uh, uh, battling cancer, you know, one of the things that that came out of that is this shift in perspective, right? Of of the things that we mm-hmm. would allow ourselves to get worked up over, or the, you know, the you're going to draw the line in the sand over, you know, somebody, you know, not telling you that you ran out of bologna uh, that week, and so now what are you going to eat for lunch? It was like, you know, this you start to shift into the things that truly matter to you and and in a character building way i look at that and go you know now we look at things that happen and there's never you know when we go back and look we go well if we were able to face that this is nothing i'm like you know maybe prior to facing cancer you might have looked at that and said oh there's no way we're ever going to be able to handle this or that but now we look at things and go it's not life or death, right? Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, we're, we're in a different sort of perspective than we had before. And, mm-hmm. you know, my kids look at it that way too. I'm like, you, you survive this, you know, I don't care what it is you're up against. You know, both my kids are coders. And so, you know, they are, uh, one's a graphic designer and, and, and deals on app design. And the other one is going to school for uh, computer engineering. And so they work together all the time. One of them does the back end coding and the other one makes it look good. And, you know, it's, oh, it. it's really great to watch these two work together, you know, sort of knowing what they went through and how much they could have used that experience to drive 
the bad parts of what happened and find the excuse to misbehave and not reach their full potential because woe is me, life is so hard. Um, but you know, they don't do that. They actually sort of are able to, to use that experience to shift perspective and believe that there's a solution when some might see that and go, there's, this is impossible. And I, I see that in your story so much. And I see that your kids now facing whatever it is as they continue to, to even your 15 year old, um, as they continue to get older, they look at something and go, well, how can I say that I can't do that when I right. know that I did this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, so it's such a powerful experience to me that that more than providing them a home, uh, you actually provided them with this lifelong belief in themselves that, uh, you know, they can figure anything out. And I don't know that there's anything more powerful that you can do as a mom. She took excuses off the table, basically, is what oh, you're saying. Right. <laughs> Good Lord. But that character, that character that, that was built during that time for them is going to, you know, it's going to define them moving forward and it will help them, I believe, find find the right mate, the, the right partner in life, the, you know, what's really going to matter to them and do work that, that feeds their soul and, and, um, leads to that sense of fulfillment that they must have felt, you know, all these years ago, back in, in 06, 07, when 08, when you were sort of really looking at this, I just, that to me, is that how you look at it as a mom now that, that not only did you build a house, but you really were able to build character for them too? No, without a doubt, you know, it, and it, it comes up all the time. Um, every now and then the kids will ask me, you know, here, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Um, in fact, my, my oldest son ended up moving to Alaska for a while. And, you know, that was the, one of the moments that, you know, he's like, I don't know, last minute, he said, I'm going to back out. I don't want to do this. Or he was going to go to college up there for engineering. And he said, I, I, what if I get up there and I don't like it, you know, and I'm stuck in Alaska. And I said, well, you know, Drew, you know, what's, what's the worst that can happen if you get up there and you don't like it. And this was sort of our motto the whole time we built our house, you know, what's the worst that can happen. And, and he said, well, off your like, arm. <laughs> well, you know, we take precautions against that. So the worst that could happen was always a do over. If, if, if we do this wrong, mm. we're gonna have to do it over. That's the worst thing that could actually happen. I like it. So, you know, with him moving up to Alaska, I said, the worst thing that can happen is you're gonna have to move home. I said, Drew, you live at home now. You know, you're already living your worst case scenario. The only thing that can happen is something better. So go, go to Alaska. Mm. And he did. Um, you know, so that, that's how we approach everything. And you can see them running through this mentality constantly in the decisions that they make. And sometimes, you know, it means they're taking big risks. And the same with me, you know, quitting my full-time job and, and going to speaking full-time, you know, that was a, a, a big risk, but it was like, what's the worst that could happen? I'm gonna have to go back and get a, you know, a different full-time job Well, I'm doing that now. I'm right. doing the worst case scenario. So I know I can do that. Uh, so, you know, it, it frees you up. It, like you said, it takes excuses off the table. It, it frees you up to do uh, things that are a little bit more unconventional and and to believe you can do them and also to to set those high stakes and accept those high stakes and work against them because it pulled the best out of you i, I think the question um you know brant that you're asking too is about not just our character i just love the fact that care is teaching life skills i mean it's grounded around an event you know an important event had to be done and the way that they did it was really 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 innovative but 
you know, if you go back to the quote, you know, I think about John Wooden, who's really known for, you know, reminding his players and having these conversations with the players, regardless of their ability, which is what this is about, right? Like, no matter how great you are, you've got pure talent. But I think the people that played for him loved him because he taught them these life skills, like proper attitude and respect and selflessness and teamwork and integrity and temperament. And, you know, you list all these things that you hope like heck that as a parent, you want to be able to pass on. And care. I, you know, I talk quite frequently whenever I'm doing any of my sessions, I'm a huge believer that everything is learned behavior. I just think humans Mm -hmm. learn everything. It's a difference between us and, and the rest of the animal kingdom. And so you get it from your parents or school or your friends or the playground or religion or lack of religion or whatever, so by the time they go out into the world and they want to get a job or start a family or whatever, they are the way they are because of all this this background, this experience. And I can I can just, you know, ha- having never known about or met your kids before, I can only imagine that the type of people that they are now is because of this, not just the experience, but what you were teaching them along the way. And I, I would have to guess, and this is sort of my question, um, do you talk about this whenever you're in front of a group? If you're in front of a corporate group, I don't know how much you bring into your family um, into the discussion, but you know, just knowing that you you have now you know created these people who can do anything because of this mantra that your parents taught, and you've been able to impact and influence them, and they're probably going out and doing it to you know for other people. How much of that do you add into this corporate discussion? it's a huge part of it and you know and it's it's taught from a standpoint of of teamwork and leadership because you know that's that's what that was out there you know it was an unconventional way to lead a team yep and it was it was an unconventional team with really diverse abilities but bringing them together and finding a way to use all of those abilities to still accomplish something that really should have been impossible and, you know, to, to bring that type of leadership and teamwork style into the corporate setting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think because because it comes with pictures of, uh, you know, a toddler on a construction site in the mud <laughs> and, uh, you know, a bunch of teenagers. And the teenagers I had, my oldest was a girl, uh, the 17-year-old, the 15-year-old is a boy, and the 11-year-old is a girl. So, you know, we had one man on the job site and he was 15. So, <laughs> you know, awesome. so the picture, so the pictures are, you know, I think that they, they really drive home some points that in a corporate setting people remember because it's, you know, it's different than a lot of the, you know, the sports or mountain climbing. It's a, it's a mom and some kids on a construction site trying to figure out how to use a nail gun and an air compressor, you know, (laughs) and, and you can see that in our faces, you know, they were still trying to figure this out and covered in mud. And, you know, I'm wearing my school letterman's jacket from high school. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's just the the craziest collection of people. And it's, I was not well equipped to do this. I was a 110 pound computer programmer. So you, you see that if, if I could accomplish this as a mom with some kids, then certainly, certainly you can accomplish anything you set your mind to yep. and bringing that into a corporate environment and, you know, or all sorts of environments, obviously I speak to really diverse groups, but especially in the corporate environment, you know, you can bring that in and have some points really stick in ways that, that they never have before because you're seeing a completely unusual way to apply leadership well, um, and, and the way to pull people together. You have um, some amazing potential things that are happening, including, I remember you and I talking about this previously, um, 
maybe a movie being based on your life story, right? Are you able to talk about that? Is that is that happening or is that on hold? Right, uh, everything's on hold in Hollywood, of course. Yes. Um, the 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 book was optioned for film, and now we've actually been working also with. Uh, you guys mentioned your HGTV special. Um, <laughs> we have we have been working with a, a couple of different production companies and have some some pitches out and again those are all on hold they all started before covid Uh, and we put everything everything in hollywood is on hold um but we have a a show pitch out so we may be doing a tv show here my oldest daughter hope and i hosting a tv show um not exactly with your your title but um (laughs) (laughs) well that didn't work yours would be well that worked (laughs) after yours is a success you're going to executive produce our show called well that didn't work (laughs) Yes, I like it. We could we could have fun with that. Um, You know, so we have a lot of things. And again, you know, all of the Hollywood stuff is going to be on hold for some time. And, you know, we just throw that out. And who knows, it'll land or not land. I don't wait for that kind of stuff, because everything in Hollywood is a long shot. And, you know, we're working on the other stuff during the course. I have a podcast coming out. um, Really? Cool. So I do. I've done one in the past. And and I'm uh, actually I did one for Macmillan publisher and i'm starting another one so it's uh, lots of stuff going on with covid but um yeah the speaking is still virtual but where can people get that information then if they're looking to either hire you or just stay connected to you where would you like for us to send them we'll put all this information in the show notes but where would you really like for them to go you can get to everything from my website which is karabrookins.com Nice. I do all the socials and all of that, but it's it's all neat and tidy, and that spot is the easiest. I love it. I love it. Well, it goes without saying, your story and you personally, just you know, really getting a chance to to know you a couple times over the last year. Your story is fantastic, and you're right. I think our questions are really to prod you a little bit to see where people could think about having you involved in an event and just being motivated inspired by listening to that story it's uh you know hopefully it even makes people better parents and thinking i can do some things using that same mantra of just you can figure anything out regardless of what the challenge is and we just uh we're so thrilled that you spent a little bit of time with us on the show today thank you so much for that thanks for having me you got it and we will talk to you soon you bet rock on hey rock stars thanks so much for tuning in if you like what you've heard please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.